Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire is giving away uh, some free stuff again this, this month. Sean, you can get yourself a free digital tire pressure gauge and, an, and a uh, Firestone T-shirt. I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm jacked. I'm getting mine. Already got one lined up. I don't know if you send multiple emails, you get multiple ones, but if you do, send an email to marketingaxontire.com and they will send you out a free digital tire pressure gauge and a Firestone t shirt. So take advantage of this by going to marketingaxontire.com. Send them all your uh, details and tell them the Moving Iron Podcast sent you. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Well, Sean, uh, yesterday was uh, one of the first down days we've had in a little while. And in the grains, obviously, it was profit-taking. Um, everyone kind of checking their, so checking their uh, profit and moving forward. But uh, I guess... Looks like today things have kind of started out down a little bit, but I'm sure it's the same scenario. So I guess as you take a look at the uh, action so far this week, what are your thoughts? Well, I think the corn market uh, fully has now reacted to the planting and tension surprise. And I think the wheat market has correctly um, readjusted to the conditions report. Um, like I said, somehow the market was surprised, but... Uh, Whatever it was, it, it um, I think that you know they've they've moved those markets to where they think you know they need to be right now. Um, and we're looking at the weather, you know, uh, here in April. One of our long-standing forecasts was for a late-ending winter, pretty cold, and um, and it's it's really shaping up to be that way. We're really getting big-time cold verification throughout the a predominance of the remaining part of the month. You know, feet of snow out west, um, a lot of snow that's coming in in the northern plains north of you unfortunately but just some cold weather and a lot of a lot of wet weather to, in the eastern corn belt just means we're not going to get this cl- uh, crop going timely we're going to be slow we're going to be delayed um it's going to be planted in uh, less than ideal conditions and the biggest problems are going to be you know the cold 
soil temperatures and especially for you know planting corn it's just it's going to be difficult and so at a time that the market was already worried over 89 and a half million acres the delayed planting is not what the market wants to try to get some of those acres back and so i just think the way this month is setting out it's going to be pretty hard for at least the corn market you know to correct substantially unless there's something going on with russia where they they say they, they love each other again and they're ready to rock and roll. But as, absent a geopolitical ceasefire, pretty hard to see corn prices correcting much with this kind of an overall planting uh, outlook for the month of April. It just does not look good for, for getting corn planted early. So Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, yesterday, the uh, all the oil executives got drug up on the Capitol Hill to talk about you know if they're gouging customers or not, and it's nothing they're doing it's just the, the market obviously um and we have a major pipeline a major line of oil that's no longer being uh put out to the world so obviously that's going to have some issues there uh take a look at oil right now sean what are your thoughts there look the oil comes had nothing to do with what the price of oil a price of oil is set by international price yeah. I mean, it's a national market so yep. what are they going to do they're right now they're pumping as much as they can but they have been told for a long while that you know we don't want you we want you to stop doing what you're doing and um so they did right, <laughs> right. and so exactly. now, now everyone is demanding that they produce more crude oil yeah and they go uh sure but but a you know it'll take several years to do it and b are you going to give us any guarantees that you're not going to come after us when things calm down and say that we're pariah again i mean and that's the problem the problem is you know, after being beaten up for the last two years, saying that they, you know, they were ruining the world, you know, now we want them to save the world. It doesn't work that way. You know, these are long-term investments, and they simply cannot turn the speakers on. Even Iran or uh, Venezuela, you know, that are we're trying to get cozy with again uh, to try to get some more production. Yeah, but they haven't invested in their oil fields for a decade. So yeah. it, there's no way around this short-term. And I don't know how quickly it's going to take for the oil companies to really start going after it. I mean, they are very profitable, but I still think they're going to be very cautious, Casey. I don't think they yeah. want to put a bunch of money out there. And then when this these wells are ready to be uh, put online five years from now, that the you know the government's telling them, no, we don't want it now. Goodbye. Uh, I, I think they're yeah. just really scared to death about that. So, so the, the problem is that's the problem. And it does, you know, outside of really incredible poor economic conditions that slows demand down. I really think, you know, we're, we're in an elevated energy price environment for a while until either, you know, the administration changes their view and helps promote the industry, um, or we, over time, just find, you know, more nuclear energy or, you know, uh, hydrogen fuels. I mean, there's a lot of things, but that's that's down the road. I think we're stuck with high energy prices for a while. Yeah. I just don't see it going away. No, not not the current situation that we're in. I mean, it's no. it's a supply and demand thing, right? So, we have yep. lots of demand and not very much supply, so prices go up. Now, simple. sure, now, sure, if if, if there's uh, you know, we we love you in, in in Russia and Ukraine again, and 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 things really calm down there, uh, you know, that probably would give you a best opportunity for a short term hit in the crude oil market. But, um, you know, how long that would last if it occurred? It probably wouldn't really be anything other than a short-term band-aid within a long-term conflict. Yep. So. Okay. All right. So let's jump over here. Let's talk about 
uh, your last report that came out, you were talking about uh, natural gas. Obviously, natural gas is still high. Um, there's still lots of a lot of issues there, especially with the UK and Russia issue. As much natural gas that comes out of that, that area into um, into Europe, you had countries like uh, Lithuania, I think, that, that said they were going to turn off the Russian gas and and start looking at other places for uh, uh, liquid. Uh, natural gas to come in so obviously from the u.s is probably where that's going to mostly come from um i guess as you look at that situation there uh what are your thoughts there and has your opinion changed on natural gas no you know we've been bullish natural gas uh for a while and you know one of our one of the bullish reasons was that we thought we'd have a late ending winter we are getting that uh right now april right now is set up to be one of the top two coldest over the last 30 years um which means we're going to have a drawdown in the month of April, which we almost never have. We almost always start rebuilding. So we're missing an entire month of rebuilding already well, well, well below uh, normal five-year average uh, storage uh, natural gas stocks. Um, and so when you're looking out ahead, Casey, to what you just mentioned about the Europeans you know, looking to buy as much LNG from us as they possibly can to kind of uh, reduce their overall market share with Russia, and given that it just so happens that our capacity, the way it was invested, that you know, 35% more capacity to sell LNG as we move into next winter, you know, we got to be really careful about what are what are our natural gas storage stocks going to be next October um, if we're selling 35% more in exports and we miss an entire month inc- uh, you know uh, increase cycle here in April. And we're already, you know, substantially below normal. I mean, we really need to do something to tell those natural gas guys, you know, put some money to work, um, you know, get those fracking wells going. You know, I think they already went after the low-lying fruit, you know, that they could easily get to, but that's over. And, you know, if they're going to really increase production substantially from here, you know, they're going to have to put some bigger money out there, just like crude oil. You know, they've been told, you know, they're not really wanted. And so uh, I'm not... You know, I'm not smart enough, to, Casey, to know what the price is ultimately that would make them want to do that. But I, I'm not sure we're there yet. And so we're in, right now we're in the, the low to mid sixes on natural gas prices and still a f- complete giveaway compared to what the rest <laughs> of the world is dealing with. Right. Yeah. Um, but I really think we need to price this market substantially higher into the fall to give the right price signal for so that by the time we get to October, November, December, you know, we, we're getting a new ramping up of natural gas production and we can't wait to the fall to do that we need to really goose this price up now and i, I don't mean you know and, and i think it almost have to overprice it casey mm-hmm. so let's just say under normal circumstances six to seven would absolutely get the job done in this environment where you're a pariah if you're in fossil fuel industry um it might mean eight to ten is what is going to be enough to finally get those guys to say no we, we can't pass this one up we're going to have to just bite the bullet and go after it and make sure we get some long-term hedges on on the futures market you know what i'm saying yeah no i hear you i hear you it's a it's a weird it's a weird scenario when everyone's telling you that they they hate your guts and then all of a sudden they hate your guts but you sure need your help you know it's kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth doesn't work very well no no it doesn't doesn't uh, promote confidence by any means all right uh let's jump over talk about cotton a little bit cotton is uh had a incredible run up right now. It's a dollar thirty five right now, down just a little bit um, from what it started from the open. But 
mean, I guess as you look at Cotton, Sean, there's a lot of factors there that are pointing that there should be some movement down, but there is a lot of movement up right now. Well, demand destruction is, is absolutely starting to show up. Mm -hmm. um, I think we finally got to a level where we're starting to see the wheel slowing down. The problem is West Texas, like Nebraska, mm -hmm. I literally don't, I do not think they've had a traceable uh, rain event. Of, and I, mean, I don't think they've had a drop of rain in like two decades. Months. Yeah, it's been a yeah, while. Yeah, three decades. Yeah. I mean, but it's just, it's just, it's really, it's on the top, you know, one or two driest three month periods that we've seen there. And, you know, and 3 million acres of cotton uh, are produced there. And so, you know, there's still time, but you know, if, if, if we're getting in, if we're going to get into late June and, or, you know, and we don't have any rainfall Casey, you know, that 3 million acres comes off the top and you know, that's just not going to be what the market's going to want. And so right now that's, what's keeping this market up despite signs of the, demand destruction that we're talking about everyone is just looking at now of course you get one of these rains that come out of nowhere and you know it's a billion dollar rain and all of a sudden you could drop go limit down limit down limit down but we're not seeing any signs yet that that's happening um or that it's it's, it's about to happen and so that is, it means elevated cotton price until that happens or potentially even one more escalation higher if it looks like that whole region is going to be a zero which it can be it could be a zero yeah. um you know, even we'll just need that much more demand destruction to um, to pull it off. So, so that's it's just it's really a situation of U.S. West Texas weather at this point that's going to be the primary driver here. Um, and uh, obviously, the market will be watching every weather map to see if there's anything that's going to happen. Uh, you, you don't need a lot of rainfall. I mean, cotton is a dry weather crop. It it just you know, but you can't have zero. I mean, it, mm -hmm. give yourself a good half inch, three quarters inch of rain in. You know, that West Texas region, and, and boy, that you would really kick the can down the road to uh, better prospects. But, you know, right now, ain't happening. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, it's been dry. It's dry here. It's dry west or east Colorado, um, western Kansas, you know, Panhandle, Oklahoma, West Texas, Texas Panhandle. It's just been that whole corridor down there's just been. Yeah, that box, that dry. box right there is missed. Everything. Now they had some moisture for, to the west of there. Mm -hmm. We've had plenty of moisture to the east of there, but that box there just—it's just missed. It's missed yep. everything. Yeah. So. And you know, you throw seventy mile an hour winds on top of that, and the ground stays no dust flies or anything when it's dry like that. So it's great. It's the best thing ever. So we had seventy plus mile an hour winds here yesterday, and 60, 50 and sixty mile an hour winds the two days prior to that. So it's been. It's been crazy windy, and uh, I, think, I think today is supposed to be the last day of the incredible wind, and then it's yeah. like 80 degrees on Saturday or something like that. But we do have yeah. some chances for uh, precipitation uh, early next week, so hopefully knock on wood, we can get some of that. Get some of that to come through here. All right, so you went to Brazil in October, right? Yes. And checked out what was going on down there, and... I guess since then, we've talked of coffee a little bit, but nothing in-depth for quite some time. So what's happening in the coffee market right now, and where do you see that headed? Well, the coffee market, you know, was the second-best-performing ag market last year, and it's been resting pretty much this year. It's been kind of got caught in a trading range as the market is trying to determine if this Russia thing is going to cause some demand destruction, um, enough demand destruction to allow the market to get to the 2023 
harvest, not this harvest, but the 2023 harvest. Um, and so it's kept the market kind of feeling it's done enough for now. Uh, we don't think it's done enough for now, but, uh, um, but don't, you know, the problem is harvest is coming. They start plant, uh, harvesting Robusta in May and, and Arapica in June. And, you know, most markets, as you approach harvest, regardless of how bullish the fundamentals are, there tends to be a period of some retrenchment. So sure. I think the market is just sitting there saying, you know, maybe right now we don't need to do anything. Um, I'm not sure that's true, but the market's feeling comfortable right now that it can wait it out, sit it out and see what happens. Uh, you know, unless um, we get some more you know, weather problems along the way. But I think the, the coffee market is just waiting for a catalyst to move higher and it just hasn't found it right now. So, so, so it's a market that's just uh, quietly going sideways. Um, ultimately, you know, we think it does need to go higher, but it may, it may require post-harvest before we see that happen. Right on. So. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So let's spend a little time here. Last year, the last few minutes of the podcast here, let's spend uh, some time talking about soybean, soybean oil, uh, palm oil, um, you know, various vegetable oils, those kind of things and what that market looks like because there is such a, such a pinch right now on, on sunflower oil coming out of the Black Sea region. Well, we, we, we do, when you look at all vegetable oils, uh, on a stocks to usage ratio, I mean, we think we're at, I think, 35-year lows in that ratio. I mean, we just don't have a lot. We had some weather problems in the Palm uh, Beach areas that created problems over there. Um, Argentina has temporarily halted uh, export certificates while they wait to increase their export taxes. Um, you know, and, and that's that's put fear into the marketplace. But the real issue is, it, will global governments continue to support renewable diesel from vegetable oils um, or will they kick the can down and say, we need to push that off for now because we need to keep this, you know, the vegetable oil for human consumption, not for energy production. And I think ultimately that's what, that's the billion dollar question here of what's going to happen is will that support go away? If it does go away, you know, then we might be set up for actually for a significant correction in the vegetable oil market. Um, I don't have any clarity or any insight or any edge on what governments are going to do or not do, but I do believe when push comes to shove, they will choose food over fuel. Um, throughout history, they've always done that. So um, the other thing that I, I thought was interesting, Casey, um, Yellen was speaking, I don't know if it was yesterday or day before, um, and she said that if... Uh, China goes into Taiwan that the U.S. would sanction, would do the same thing to them as we're doing to Russia right now. We would sanction them. We would freeze their funds off. We would halt trading with them. It's pretty much what she said. We talked about this yeah. a, week, a, week, a week or two ago. She actually actually said it. So, Is that a signal, Sean? Well, China is going to go into Taiwan. I mean, we, right. we can argue, like, like just like we, you know, Russia was going to go into Ukraine. We could argue if it was a six months from now or not. It turned out to be when it was. But China is going going, going to do it. They're going to do it. So what does it mean? What does it mean if 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 we cut off China demand for U.S. agriculture? It's a big deal. I mean, short term. I mean, if you think of this out loud, if China loses our supply, right, mm -hmm. they would go and buy everything they could from everybody else. 
and everybody else that, that would buy their supplies from everybody else would have to buy it from us. So ultimately, it would eventually work itself out. Um, but remember, the way that our just-in-time ag system is set up, everything is exported and moved in the way that's most efficient. Right. It, that, that's best. So it doesn't mean that we couldn't find someone else to eventually buy our stuff, but it would be a, there would be a period of chaos. And I, I mean, you could see the grain market specifically like crash. Yeah. I mean, for a while, these say, man, there's no, we're not allowing corn exports to China. We're not allowing soybean. I mean, if you just said to the market, regardless if eventually we, we, did, we would find someone else to buy it, we would, but there could be a, a dislocation period of three months where we are in really chaotic uh, demand destruction period in that kind of a scenario. And to hear Yellen publicly say this, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they're going to do, Casey. They're yeah. telling you that's what they're going to do. And so I think everyone who's very bullish to grain markets, and I'm not saying that it's not justified. I get it. But be very careful. You know, we're in a very, very volatile situation. A lot of things can happen. But you do need to plan for a lot of different pathways here. And if tomorrow morning we woke up and China invaded Taiwan and the Biden administration said, we're sanctioning China and we're cutting off ex- uh, exports to them. I don't think you would want to not have some price protection on or have a lot of cash sales on. I think you need to really think about the risks that you're taking on the farm and say, you know, which, what do I really want to do here? And I, and I continue to believe that too many farmers right now are, are, are not considering that other side of what could happen here. Um, and so I would really, really, because you don't want to wake up as a farmer saying, I didn't make any sales. What am I supposed to do? I'm limit down, limit down. My elevator is, is now giving me, you know, a, a cash bid way, way below even limit down. You don't want to be trying to cash sell your grain in that environment because you're not going to get it done. I just really, really want to emphasize that, that, that there is a big, some big bearish, um, um, black swans out there that farmers really, really need to take seriously mm-hmm. um, and, and make sure that they have enough protection that if it occurs, they're still a profitable farmer going forward. I really, really think there's not a time to get complacent. Yeah. So. I never thought of it like that, Sean. That's a, that's a good point that you made there. So good stuff to think about. And uh, if folks want to reach out to you and get more information about how you're thinking about this particular subject right here, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on there. talks about what we do to see if we can be of value. Yeah. Check it out, folks. Sean's got a ton of information. Uh, his newsletter is is next to none. I mean, make sure, make sure you, you reach out to Sean and, and talk to him about what he's got going on there. So, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. I really, uh, you know, really appreciate being on the show. Yeah, I, I love you being on there too. So, and I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com. That's where you find everything Moving Iron related. The Moving Iron Summit is coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Nash, that's uh, September 6th, 7th, and 8th at the downtown Hilton in Nashville. If you're interested in checking that out, if you're a dealer of any kind, it uh, doesn't matter what, what kind of dealer you are. Uh, if you're interested in doing that, uh, check that out on the website there or send me an email at uh, movingiron.com. 
www.summit at movingironllc.com and I will make sure to get you whatever information you might need. So with that, I am Casey Seymour, Sean Haggett. Let's go move some iron folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Thank you.